Paz IM Radio with your co-hosts Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause IM Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this Sunday edition of Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Uh, this afternoon, I am flying solo. My co-host, Aaron Laxton, uh, is taking this day off, so we hope to get an update from him soon. Uh, today, we have uh, an amazing guest on, Larry Frampton, who uh, has been on the show before and spoke about HIV and aging, and he returns um, today to talk about um, his story as a long-term survivor, 28 years living with HIV, and then he also was just involved in um, making needle exchange legal in Tennessee. So he's going to um, focus on some of that in the work that he did to get that done. So we'll be speaking with him in a little bit. One of the things I did want to bring up is if you are uh, listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in. We're here every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time bringing you um, your dose of hope, positive stories from positive people to uplift you and inspire you. Um, over the last month of May, we had a few uh, shows that I wanted to um, talk about and, and bring up some of the amazing guests that we had come on and share. We we focused on a podcast. We figured if you're listening to our show, you are somebody who listens to podcasts on a regular basis, or at least our show on a regular basis, and we appreciate that. But we wanted to point out some of our amazing um, uh, other podcasters who are HIV positive, who are doing amazing things, and, you know, they host their own shows. Uh, the last show that we did on the 27th uh, was Dorian Gray Alexander. He uh, is from Louisiana, and he has a podcast called Proof Positive. Uh, you can check him out. Uh, we also spoke with Daniel Garza, uh, who has a podcast called Put It Together, who uh, broadcasts live out of Laguna Beach, California. A uh, big shout out to Daniel. And then, of course, um, we had the one and only Positively B, who came on to share her story, and she does her own um, uh, Positively B HIV discussions over at Blog Talk USA. Um, and again, you can find links to all their information on our website, podsiamradio.com. So we took off last week. I just had, uh, just took a personal day. I just needed to deal with some things uh, in my apartment and, uh, some just personal things. So I decided to take off. It was, it was nice, but I definitely missed it. I missed connecting with everyone and, um, you know, just sitting in this chair and, and, and talking with someone about HIV. It's kind of, uh, a highlight of the week, something I look forward to, um, you know, it's why I do what I do. So I'm excited. Um, we're going to be speaking with our guest. I see he's on uh, hold now. So we'll go ahead and uh, introduce our guest today is uh, Larry Frampton, a.k.a. Cowboy Larry. And actually, Larry, we've been 
uh, friends. We've known each other online for many, many years. I believe he was one of the very first uh, members of Pause I Am uh, social network or online community when that was launched many, many moons ago. It feels like decades, probably. Actually, it's been decades, uh, a decade already since uh, that was its inception. So uh, he's going to be coming on. He's a longtime survivor, like I said, uh, 28 years longtime advocate. He's currently employed as the public policy director of National Cares and the director of Tennessee AIDS Advocacy Network and serves as a co-chair of the National Regional Ryan White Planning Council. And again, Tennessee just made needle exchange legal and Larry was the leader of that effort and intends to on modernizing the Tennessee HIV criminalization laws next. Uh, so we'll be touching on all these subjects. Please help me welcome Larry Frampton. Hey, Larry, how are you? Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> good, good. It feels so good to finally connect with you. Yeah, it's a long time. You know, you're one of those people that I always, you know, have seen at the conferences when I went to it, whether it was Positive Living or, you know, the, the ADAPT Advocacy Association conference. It was always, you were always there. You were somebody who, I feel like, I feel like you're one of the advocates who doesn't get enough attention. You know, there's so many people oh, who well, thank you. are you know, their their face is everywhere, but I feel like you do such, you know, like on the ground work and things that are so important. And I feel like you you are underrated. You need more attention. So, you know, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to reconnect with you and have you come back on because you do such awesome work and I just don't I feel like that you need to be recognized a little bit more. So I wanted to recognize you, have you come on again. Uh and just tell you that you're an amazing guy. You do such awesome work. Appreciate it. And, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of you and, and the work you've done. And I've, uh, as you said, I was one of the one of the first people on Pause I Am, and I've always been a huge fan of the work you do. So I appreciate all you do too. God, it feels so long, doesn't it? So long ago, but it feels just yeah. like yesterday too to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's been a decade, but you know, I am getting a little old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're getting old, so am I. I'm following behind you slowly, you know. <laughs> but you're always easy to pick out in the crowd because you're always the guy at the conference with a cowboy hat. Yeah, well, I'm probably generally the only one at the conference with a cowboy hat. Yeah. So, so you're you're from you're from Tennessee, and have you lived there your whole life? No, actually, I grew up in Eastern Oregon. Um, I'll, for folks that don't know my story, I was a professional bull rider for 13 years on the professional rodeo circuit and um, met my first partner doing rodeo. And uh, he got sick one time, he just out of the blue got sick. And so we took him to the hospital and found out he had AIDS. And that's how uh, HIV and AIDS entered my world. I, I really felt like I was sheltered, even though I was a gay man, but living in the rodeo world, I felt maybe I was sheltered from it, but I guess, you know, no one's sheltered from it. You never know uh, if and when that's going to pop into your world, and uh, it did pop into my world in 1989, and uh, about four months after uh, I was diagnosed, my partner passed away, uh, which was really just horrible because it was... uh, one of those situations where the family didn't want to have anything to do with him. They didn't even want to come to the funeral. I had to clean out his house because they didn't want any of his belongings. They, they felt that they would get AIDS from it. 
And I mean, it was just a horrible situation. And that's when I was really faced with, you know, the first thing line of stigma hitting me in the face, you know, how much people were afraid of HIV and AIDS back then. And, and it just terrified me. I mean, I, I, and, and I really wasn't prepared to deal with it then. Um, but I'm certainly a lot more prepared to deal with it now when I see it and, uh, certainly call people out on it when I do see it. Um, but yeah, I'm a long-term survivor. I've, uh, I've been living with HIV for 28 years. I've lost two partners and over 300 friends to this disease. And that's my drive. I feel like, you know, that's what I have to give back to the community. When I've lost that many people, I've went in those hospital rooms, sat by their bedside, watched them die, made promises that I would do whatever I could do to help. And, you know, and I'm, I always follow through on my promises. And uh, so I've always done that. And, and as a long-term survivor, it's hard to stay doing this type of work for this many years. Uh, because you do, you can get burned out on it. And I know a lot of long-term survivors that have gotten burned out on it, but I feel like, you know, for me, every time someone else dies in my world, you know, from HIV, then it's just more dedication for me. And, and I, there's been a couple of times where I've said, I'm going to retire and I'm going to you know, quit doing this stuff and something else happens and I, and I rededicate myself and that's, that's how we do it. I, I, I guess. Um, but um, that's that's kind well, Larry, of where I'm at with the long-term survivor stuff. So, so, so b- before we get into the HIV, you talked about bull riding. When did you start bull riding? At <laughs> what age? I started bull riding when I was 15 years old, and I was a professional wow. when I was 15 years old. Yeah. So I grew up on a dairy farm in eastern Oregon, and so uh, I, I rode the dairy cows as a kid all the time. And my dad figured out that I was pretty good at it, so he figured he'd put me on something dangerous like a bull. <laughs> See how good I was at that. And I did pretty good at it. I made a living at it did real well. So uh, that's, that's how I got involved in it. Now, what made you stop it? Well, when my partner was diagnosed with HIV, and then I was diagnosed with, with HIV. I, I felt like, you know, there would be a, a lot of pushback if people felt, you know, saw that I was doing bull riding while, you know, living with HIV. And and so that's when I decided that I needed to get out of it because it just, um, it, I, I wasn't prepared for the challenges of, you know, people's fear and ignorance. Right. And back then it was the early days. So there was a lot of fear and stigma and, you know, the not knowing yeah. and kind of reminds you of Dallas yeah. Buyers Club when you said bull riding. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. I was like, wait a minute. I know this story. What's well, hilarious because everyone says, you know, are you the guy from Dallas Buyers Club? And I'm like, no, I didn't like, no, I didn't do that part. But <laughs> That's funny. So, so what is the hardest thing to, you know, out of the 28 years, what has been the hardest thing to do living with HIV? Oh, wow. Uh, I, you know, for me, the hardest thing uh, isn't just the daily living. For me now, as a long-term survivor, it's dealing with the aging issues because we see aging uh, happening a lot uh, more quicker with people living with HIV. And so for me, I'm dealing with like the arthritis and, and the aging issues and 
you know, I have to take uh, extra pills for heart, you know, to keep my heart running good and, you know, be careful of the, uh, you know, the kidneys and things like that. So those are the things that I, I worry about more now as a long-term survivor uh, with HIV. It, it isn't HIV. It's the other things that's going to get you, unfortunately. Right, right. I see. I see. I see. So what... um. So I'm just trying to think of the other. Um, so one of the, the the things that a lot of long-term survivors deal with is what they call survivor's guilt. Is that something that you struggle yeah. with? And if it is, how do you how do you you know like um, how do you deal with that? I have struggled with it because I've you know there's no rhyme or reason when or why or how people pass away uh, from this disease. And you know, and I've gone into hospital rooms where. I've seen just extraordinary young people dying from this disease, and 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 I did. I you know certainly asked myself why me? Why not? Why should? Why am I not the one laying in this hospital bed instead of them? Because uh, you know I just felt several times that you know it, life isn't fair with HIV, and you know like I said, you know when you see younger people dying with this disease you really would like to put yourself in their place at times. And, and, you know, and how I deal with it is, you know, I, I know I have a purpose and my purpose is to be that cranky old dude that just gets in everyone's face and challenges everything. And so and I've done that very successfully for years. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let's, let's take a quick break here and, and um, and and uh, switch on over to uh, Josh Robinson and get this week's uh, HIV scoop. We'll be right back with Larry Frampton. This is your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Pause I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under ninety seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV scoop. Those living with HIV are sticking with their drug therapy. A new study says. I'm Josh Robbins, and this is the HIV Scoop. Here's some buzzworthy stories right now. A large new study based on Medicaid data identifies a clear trend of people staying on their HIV meds longer than they used to. That's great news. With antiretroviral drugs, HIV has become a manageable chronic condition, but only so long as patients continue to take their meds. A large Brown University study finds substantial momentum in that direction. The study, which examined a national sample of 43,000 Medicaid patients, showed that the median duration of persisting with HIV treatment increased by more than 50% over the decade 2001 to 2010. With other manageable chronic conditions like cholesterol, high blood pressure, and type 2 diabetes not showing the same big gains. Among hundreds of thousands of HIV net negative Medicaid recipients taking any of the three non-HIV medications, persistence changed very little between 2001 and 2010, the study showed. Yet, at the same time, persistence with those medications did improve markedly among HIV-positive patients who were also on ARVs. Next, New York Daily News reports the head of an HIV nonprofit in New York allegedly stealing nearly $1 million, that money intended to house those living with HIV. 
The stunning story is from former CEO of Harlem Congregations for Community Improvement, Derek Brooms, and it is despicable if true. Brooms allegedly exploited his position to charge hundreds of thousands of dollars in personal expenses to a corporate credit card in his name. He often used the credit card to pay for personal auto repairs, medical bills, electronics, clothing, and gifts. That's what the feds say. The nonprofit is now working to repay the money that Broom allegedly diverted from the program and man, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office said in court papers. Now, Brooms's lawyer didn't return requests for comment. Happy, happy, happy Memorial Day, though, everyone. I'm Josh Robbins. This was your HIV scoop. And there you have it. Thanks, Josh Robbins. Um, obviously, that was uh, last week's scoop. Um, so I want to uh, welcome everyone back to the show. Uh, I'm here, Robert Brining. Uh, you're listening to Pop-Time Radio, and I'm here with uh, Larry Frampton, a.k.a. Cowboy Larry. Larry, are you there? Yeah, great to hear Josh Robbins, another Nashville guy on there, too. So. Yeah, he's awesome. We love Josh. Uh, he, you know, he, he contacted us when we started and said, hey, let's partner up, and I'll provide you with this, you know, scoop every week. And it, it's been a, a cool partnership. Uh, we uh, we appreciate him and all the work that he does. He's very out there, you know? Yeah, he does great work. We, we love having him here in Nashville because he puts Nashville on the map. That's good. That's good. So tell me a little bit about, you said one of the things you wanted to touch on was the needle exchange. Um, I guess whether the laws that passed or things that changed here in Tennessee. Sure. Tell me about that and how you were involved in it. Well, you know, I so I, I guess I'll take it back a little bit because last September, uh, the policy director position came open at National Cares and the director of the Tennessee AIDS Advocacy Network position. And I have been part of the Tennessee AIDS Advocacy Network since its inception 11 years ago. And so uh, a lot of people kind of prodded me saying, Larry, you should come out of retirement and do this. And, and I said, well, if I do this, I've got I, you know, I have to have a couple focuses of things that I want to get past, you know, specifically. And so the two things that I said to Joe Taranti, the CEO of Nashville Cares, was that I wanted to get needle exchange passed, and then I wanted to modernize our HIV criminalization laws. So this year we took on needle exchange, and I've had a, a, a discussion with some Republican lawmakers here for several years about it. But there was like 45 bills introduced this year in Tennessee around the opioid addiction issue. And so I felt like it was really a good time to, to push the, the envelope and throw this out there with, with Republican backing because we have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a supermajority of Republicans here in Tennessee and a Republican governor. So, you know, felt like it was going to get some uh, – we did push it out there. And, it, you know, literally we really had – no pushback hardly at all on it they felt like you know that we did the education really well with them that you know how badly this was needed we have 42 counties in tennessee that are high risk for opioid addiction issues and and iv drug use and so we we felt like you know this was a necessary step here in tennessee and even though we are in tennessee which is in the deep south that people don't you know, the Republicans have always kind of gone against needle exchange. We were very successful. And then on um, May 23rd of 2017, just last month, 
um, our governor, Bill Haslam, signed our needle exchange uh, law into into law. And we were just all like people in in the community are like, how in the hell did you get this passed, Larry? <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, one of those things that just was the right time and the right right place for it. And uh, so we're thrilled that we got it passed and we'll be seeing needle exchange programs popping up all over the state of Tennessee here soon um, as the Tennessee Department of Health has to regulate that. But uh, I, I'm just very ecstatic that we were able to get that piece done because I feel like that's that's a huge um benefit in our pocket in our fight against HIV here. Now, for someone who may not know what needle exchange is, because that is somewhat of a, I guess, controversial subject, explain to us exactly what it is. Well, so needle exchange is for folks who use IV drugs, and um, the way the program works is it would be for disposal of used needles, so we're getting dirty needles off the street so that people, you know, aren't picking it up and little kids out in the neighborhoods aren't picking up needles that have been used by people and we're giving them in exchange a a clean new needle uh, so that they can use it for themselves and we certainly give them a lot of education at that point about not sharing needles and um, other wraparound services such as HIV testing, Hep C testing, uh, substance abuse counseling and treatment if that's something they're looking for. Um, so needle exchange is a really good opportunity to start a conversation with those folks that are using IV drugs and, and get that conversation to the point, build that relationship to the point where you can get them into treatment. And and that's our main goal is to, to get those dirty needles off the streets so that people aren't picking them up and and to, to try to get folks tested for HIV and hepatitis C and into treatment if, if needed. Yeah, I love that you said it, that it's a, it's a way to start a conversation, you know, to, to, to have that conversation about HIV and, you know, and, and the importance of having a clean needle if you're going to use, you know, intravenously and things like that. It's, it's important that, that we have these places and hopefully, you know, I, I'm, I'm don't, not familiar with any place in Philly where that's able to be done, um, but it would be nice if it was kind of, you know, um, put throughout the, the country so you know, we can help those people. I mean, a lot of people say that it encouraged drug use. You know what I mean? You're giving them a needle well, to use, blah, 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 but in a way, yeah. And what, do they, what do you say to that yeah. when people say that to you? We heard that from a, a state senator when this bill was going through the um, through the chamber, and and I just got up and you know here's the fact: we had tons of data showing that actually it does the reverse; it actually gets people off the streets and gets people into treatment. And um, so that's that's how you combat that: is that you know just show them the data that the fact is that needle exchange does the exact opposite. It does not encourage drug use. It actually helps get people clean and to a place in their life where they can they can change their lives. It's like a, a step in that linkage to care that uh, Kevin Maloney always talks about, the importance of a, that link. And it maybe needle exchange is one of those links, you know? So it's important work, and I'm, I'm glad yeah. that it passed there in Tennessee and hope that it, it moves on. So tell me, with, in regards to, since you're, you're a co-chair in the National Regional Ryan White Planning Council, there. What, what is your, your thoughts on this um, 
Uh, what is the, your thoughts on the um, on on you know them? I guess trying to repeal Obamacare. Well, um, so I here locally, I work on um, a steering committee to try to. Well, we were originally working to expand Medicaid in our state, and again, in a Republican supermajority state, it's kind of a really tall task to try to expand Medicaid in our state, uh, and we got absolutely nowhere with that. I mean, that was one of those things that it just wasn't going to happen. Um, but as far as uh, the Affordable Care Act and, and you know, I've done a lot of work with at AIDS Watch and to DC probably four or five times a year at least, uh, and and I'm advocating to try to keep at least the key pieces of the Affordable Care Act. I think that the Republicans are now at a point where they know that they can't just jettison it totally without uh, having something in place that you know has some of the key components like. Uh, keeping, you know, the clause that would cover pre-existing conditions and preventative care like HIV testing and things like that. Uh, those are key components of the Affordable Care Act, and those are things that we're fighting for every day up in D.C. Right. So it's an ongoing battle. So let me um, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to play one of the one or two of the positive messages from Rise Up to HIV, and we'll be right back with uh, Cowboy Larry. Larry, we'll be right back. All right. Great. Hi, my name is Bob, and I'm from Walkworth, Ontario, a little uh, rural community of uh, 700 people. So I'm a, a rural POS guy, and I've been POS for 23 years now, and. Um, so I'm a long-term survivor, and I'm kind of proud of that. And I'm proud of all long-term survivors out there. So hi, long-term survivors. Want to want to lift my hat to you. Uh, but I also want to lift my hat to to people who've joined us along the way uh, and offer encouragement and support and love because um, I think you have real opportunities here as a person living with HIV to live the kind of life that you wanted, always wanted to do, um, to make a difference. Uh, to throw off the shame, uh, to realize what you want to do, uh, and and if you want to help and encourage others, just as uh, Kevin is asking us to film videos to to support others, um, you have that kind of opportunity too. So Kevin's onto a good idea. Um, I think what I like about this is that it emphasizes that we are part of a community. We are here for each other. We're here to support each other and to learn from each other. And I kind of like that. Um, it's an opportunity uh, that comes with HIV, and I, I've grabbed it, and, and, and I hope you will too. So enjoy um, being part of a community that can offer you so much and which has the opportunity for you to offer so much. Um, be well. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the HIV community. It's quite wonderful. Hello, everyone. My name is Alicia. Some call me Lovely or Healed Lee. In 2001, I was diagnosed HIV positive. And you know, I had an option. Allow that diagnosis to overtake my life or I overtake HIV. And that is exactly what I did. I took a stand. I took a stand to know that I am healed, that I am prosperous, that I am a beautiful and loving person, and I deserve to be loved. 
HIV does not define me. I define HIV. I'm happy, I'm inspirational, and I am vibrant. I love myself. And I encourage you that if you received any diagnosis, if you received any terrible news, take a stand, know who you are, and continue on your path to greatness. I encourage you to stay happy. And there you have it, a positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Um, to check out all of the positive messages, please go to uh, the Rise Up to HIV page on Facebook. Um, Kevin Maloney is uh, an amazing activist uh, who has started Rise Up to HIV and has done the positive message campaign with um, allowing us to share the messages here online. And uh, he has a new um, uh, social media campaign and uh, here it is. It is this summer. Let's turn social media a sea of color with the truth that undetectable equals untransmittable. This anti-stigma and prevention awareness initiative by Prevention Access Campaign, driven by the community of people living with HIV and their allies, has taken the world by storm. This scientifically proven fact has been hailed the most significant development in the HIV world since the advent of infective combination therapy 20 years ago. Simply put, a person with HIV with a sustained undetectable viral load cannot tra transmit HIV to their partner. Rise Up to HIV is one of the 270 plus community partners of Prevention Access Campaign. So if you want to request a frame, go to the Rise Up to HIV uh, Facebook page and contact them and submit a photo and they will go ahead and create a frame for you promoting the uh, U equals U campaign. And we are back now live with uh, Larry, so Larry, tell me, what do you feel about the U equals U campaign? How is that coming to storm, considering that you've been living with HIV for 28 years when you were diagnosed or, or you know, when, you, when it was first introduced to you, it was your partner and he passed away, you said four months later, and then you had so many people, you said 300 plus friends pass away. So go through all yeah. of that in, in the history of your survival and then now to see PrEP, to see U equals U, what does that feel like? Well, I'm a huge supporter of U equals U because it just shows how far we've come. Uh, I mean, in the early years, I mean, they wouldn't even allow you to have sex with your partner. They said, oh, no, you're going get to get another strain if you're having unprotected sex as an HIV positive person with another positive person. And, you know, that was, you know kind of thrown by the wayside eventually is yeah you know, but that was part of you know i think a lot of that stuff where you know the doctors are like well we're not sure you know if people are going to pass these strains and you know and i i get it but you know they figured out that you know if someone's on their meds and they stay on their meds they're not passing strains and they're not uh infecting other people and so uh huge supporter of you equals you um my co-chair here in Nashville for the uh, Regional Planning Council, Brady Morris, is uh, a big part of that that campaign, and so uh, I, I I just think that it it just does show how far that we've come, and it really helps us when we're pushing other messages like you know changing the criminalization laws and you know doing a lot of the things that we're trying to do here in. Um, Tennessee, but also all across the nation, you know, even with the needle exchange, I brought up that U equals U and uh, that, you know, if someone's undetectable, they can't transmit the virus. And that's why we need to get people tested and get them on treatment. And, 
And it was well received when we were doing that through the, the legislature this year. So uh, uh, it was good to see. And then with prep, uh, I, you know, I just, I, that's just another one of those things that I think that is just absolutely one of the best tools out there. And people don't know it, you know, people just, you know, try, they just don't know about it that much that the prep truly can keep you from getting HIV. And, you know, I'm constantly, you know, banging on that, you know, that bandwagon saying, yeah, you, you know, if you're sexually active, especially as a gay man or a man in sex with men, that you need to be looking at PrEP as an option, you know, for your, you know, your tools to keep you safe. Hmm. One of the things that um, we spoke about a few weeks ago, I think I forget who it was, I think it was with Dorian, um, was how they're trying to refer, trying to get rid of the word AIDS. Um, we're not using this often and kind of refer to HIV as in stages similar to cancer. Um, so what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Because I know they just recently changed like AIDS.gov to HIV.gov. But what are your thoughts on them well, kind of swapping out that word? I have really mixed feelings about it because for me, uh, AIDS represents history of a lot of people that passed away mm-hmm. that I remember on a daily basis. And so uh, I have that point of view that I, you know, that part of our history and, you know, we have to remember that history, but I think that, you know, also if we move towards HIV, uh, rather than AIDS, because AIDS just has such stigmatizing, you know, fear to it for people. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, if you have AIDS, you're going to die, you know? And, right. and so I think that, you know, that, that word has gotten to the point where, we do have to move on from it, you know, and I feel like, you know, that, you know, that I, I was happy to see AIDS.gov move to HIV.gov because I think that does help with the stigma. Um, but like I said, I, I, I still, you know, want to make sure that we remember the people that have passed away from AIDS, you know, and that's, that's, that's the only part that I uh, have concerns about. Yeah, that's exactly, that's funny. That's exactly what I told Dorian is I feel like, that, that the word AIDS is a part of history and, and removing that word completely from anything related to HIV is kind of like removing that part of history. But I agree with you. The word AIDS carries a lot of stigma, a lot of fear, a lot of people, you know, just remembering that people died of AIDS, you know what I mean, that they didn't live. Yeah. So I think putting it in that term of stage one HIV, stage two HIV, stage three, whatever, you know, it, it allows it to be a little bit more, I guess, understandable more easier to understand for some people because age carries all yeah, that because, weight with it. <laughs> when you hear the term HIV, people are like, Oh, well, if you're taking your meds, you're okay. Then right. You know, but if you hear the term age, they're like, Oh my God, you're dying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's the reaction yeah. for most people. That's true. That's true. So what, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, I pretty sure I saw this online on Facebook that I saw something about a uh, generic Travada. Yeah, it just came did out. Did you see that? Right, I thought I, I saw that. Uh, he, I just went to my doctor's and we were talking about it and he said, oh, you never know, one of these days they may come out with a generic Travada. And then I come home and it's literally the first thing that pops up on my newsfeed on Facebook. Yeah, I saw it and I think a lot of us were shocked that it got passed because they think the patent on it wasn't expected to expire until 2021. 
was what I heard. And so the fact that they've pushed this out a little sooner is uh, really good news because then uh, it'll be a lot cheaper. And that's one of the biggest drawbacks for getting people on prep is just the cost of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the cost of prep yeah. is really expensive. It's crazy. Yeah. What, are, what, what is your um, regimen? Uh, I am on I'm on old old meds because I've just it I'm one of those guys that's under the impression you know that if it if it ain't broke don't fix it and so right. I'm on Epsicom and Viramune um, so okay. uh, the Epsicom's a two drug med and then uh, Viramune by itself and and it's worked really well for me for ten years I've been on that's it literally good. for ten years. And so uh, my doctor and I have both just kind of said, well, as long as it's keeping me undetectable, and I've never not been undetectable on it, so uh, I'm just going to stick with it until it it falls out. (laughs) Right. I know. I mean, since I've started, I've been on Trivada and Icentris, um, and I take the one Trivada and the two of 400 milligrams by Centris. I take, actually, both of my Centris at the same time. Well, usually people mm-hmm. take, you know, the Trabada and Icentris and then the Icentris later again. And the doctor, when I was there on Friday, was telling me that they just changed it. And because so many people are doing this, taking the two Icentris at the same time, the 400 milligrams for a total of 800, that it would be that Icentris is now coming out with a 600 milligram pill for those people who are taking it. Cool. So you just take one Trabada and one Icentris. But then the doctor also had a conversation with me about Trivada and, like, bone loss and bone density. Yeah. Um, is that something that you deal with as a long-term survivor and, and the medication? Um, I've got – I get tested for it every year. I do a bone density test. Uh, I've never had issues with the bone density, uh, as, but I, I have friends that uh, have osteoporosis from it uh, and that they have to take, you know – supplements and you know calcium and all this stuff to to help with their 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 bone loss from it but um i'm not one that did now i did years and years ago i was on Travada and uh i had kidney issues related to it so uh that was the main reason that they switched me off of Travada was because it did cause some kidney function issues and so um but you know that's you know, we we know that some people that it, it, it will do that and others it won't. So, you know, you never know. And then the new formulation of Travada, which they're now testing to potentially be used for PrEP, is a lot less harsh on the kidneys. So that that that's good news. Yeah. Yeah, the doc was trying to switch me over to I think it's like Tivike and 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 something else. Um and he said it was just safer for like bone wise. Cause you know, I was the same way. I'm like, look, doctor, if it's not broke, you don't fix it. You know, that's my motto. <laughs> and then he goes, well, my motto is, if, you know, fix it, you know, or, or make sure, you know, it's fixed before it does break. He's like, cause I don't want, you know, you to be 10 years later, you know, dealing with bone density issues when you could have resolved it now by switching your medication. So and it's always, a, a like a, I feel like a double-edged sword. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword when you want to switch your medications. There's good and there's bad. And, and I'm always afraid to take the risk because when I first started, it was a tripla, 
And I had that allergic reaction. I was in the hospital for three days, you know, I was allergic to the sativa. So I'm afraid to switch to a new medication because I haven't had any issues really with this Trabada and I sent her now. And that's probably a lot of people with the bone issues. what I'm on for 10 years too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to have the runs. I don't want to feel like I have to, you know, leave in the middle of work to go to the bathroom where I hear all these horror stories, but it's, it's, yeah. it's different for each person, so. But well, and, and we've come Sad. a long way with meds. I mean, you know, in the early years, you know, we were taking, you know, in the 90s, it wasn't uncommon for people to take, you know, 20, 30 meds a day. You know, and that's why yeah. it was called a cocktail back then, because people would put all their meds in a cocktail glass. And, you know, that's that's why the joke was made out of it that it was a cocktail because you had so many meds that you were having to take but the side effects were horrific also because you were taking so many meds and so we've come a long way as far as meds and you know the one pill once a day regimens are fantastic especially for newly diagnosed i mean that's that's the easiest easiest regimen thing for them out there so um let me ask you about um, any upcoming conferences that you might be attending where people might be able to meet up with you, see you. Um, I know one of them is Positive Living, I'm sure, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Positive Living. I think Butch McKay does a fabulous job every year with that conference, and I've been part of that. Gosh, I, I think I've only missed five of them. So <laughs> yeah, I've been part of them for a long time, and I'm, I'm a huge supporter of that conference. And I think anyone, you know, the, the folks out there that don't know about this conference, this conference is really the only conference of its kind here in the States that, you know, it's put on primarily by people living with HIV for people living with HIV. And it is some of the best, best information you're going to find. If you're newly diagnosed, if you're a long-term survivor, whatever the case is, this is the conference really the plan every year to be at. Yeah, I'm saving my uh, my pennies up because uh, uh, my registration is, is I just dealt with that already, but now I have to just worry about saving it for the flight. It's like be kind of pricey. But I want to go. I definitely yeah, want to go. I mean, it's, it's the best conference that I've been to. Yeah, it's it's hard on you know folks you know to scrape up the money for it, but you know it's it's. Uh, I, I think it's it's well worth the money, you know, the $100 scholarship. If you get the partial scholarship, it's well worth that $100 for three days there, you know, and, it's, and, and all the information and all the people you're going to meet. And that's the main thing, I think, for me is these conferences, you know, like the ADAP conference and, and AIDS Watch and all these others, USCA, all these conferences all across the country, you know, what's what's the biggest thing that I get a kick out of when I go to these things is meeting up with, you know, people like you, Robert, and other advocates across the country that are at these conferences because it gives us a sense of unity when we're at these conferences and it helps a lot. Right. And you know the people from online so to meet them in person. Like I just remember meeting, you know, you for the first time or or, or going in and even I think when I met Bob Bowers for the first time with Dab, you know what I mean? It was just like, wow, it's like I've been talking to these people <laughs> for years online, you know, and, and to meet them in person. And then the, the, the conference, the, like I said before, the, my favorite part of all the conferences are those small conversations that you have. It's really not the conference yeah. itself, the, the sessions or this. It's those conversations on the breaks, on your cigarette breaks, you know, after the conference, if you guys have it, you know, 
down in the lobby talking into those conversations that, that change people's ways of thinking and, and create, you know, I don't know, positive atmosphere and, and for us to move forward. It's, it's awesome. Is there another one yeah. that you're going to about before the end of the year? I think I'm going to be at USCA this year um, because I'm the chair of the planning council here. Uh, I think that they're going well. to send me to that. Uh, that's in September also. It's it's after, oh, nice. I think it's after positive living. Um, there's only, you know, you know, it seems like September's, um, it's in D.C. this year. I'm sorry, where? It will be in D.C. this year. Oh, nice. That's close. Yeah. They they generally switch it every other year. One year, like last year, they had it in Florida, and this year it's down. It's back in D.C. So every other year, it's in D.C. Nice, nice, cool. But it's a great conference. Um, You know, it's it's not the kind of conference where it's all people living with HIV. It's a lot of people that work in the field, which I you know I, I enjoy meeting up with some of those folks too. But, uh, you know, like you said, at those conferences for me, it's, you know, it's getting to see those faces, those advocates that are really doing the work. And, you know, it's kind of like we've built a, a little family when we go to these conferences, it's good to see folks like that again. Yeah, it is kind of like a family. It's a good way to look at it. a little brother and sisterhood of people who, uh, you know, who know your pain, who feel it. <laughs> So we're actually mm-hmm. winding down to the last few minutes, Larry. Explain to uh, our guests where people can find you, where they can uh, meet up with you online. Um, where can they find you to get a hold of you? Uh, unfortunately, I don't get on pause. I am very often anymore because I'm just so damn busy. But I do, I do have a profile <laughs> on pause. I am still. Um, so you can find me on there, but I'm also on Facebook. Um, and and that's probably the best place to catch me is on Facebook because I'm always doing stuff there. And then my organization, the Tennessee AIDS Advocacy Network, has a uh, Facebook page, and I can be caught there too. There you go, and they can find everything, of course, on our site. Larry, thank yeah. you for joining us and coming back on and talking about all the great, amazing work that you do. Well, thank you. And, hey, I wanted to tell you because I know you're a huge soccer fan uh, you know, I played kickball this year for our company kickball team. I broke my finger, but I was I was named the rookie of the year at 55 years old, so I oh, feel pretty proud of that. That's awesome. Congratulations, Larry. <laughs> you broke your finger. Wow. <laughs> broke my finger the that's first awesome. game. So. <laughs> so but, oh, well, that's uh, awesome, yeah, Larry. I'm glad to hear it. Well, good for you. you. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. All right. Take care. All right, guys, and for more information for today's guest, Larry Franson, a.k.a. Cowboy Larry, please go to our show page, com, or find us on Facebook. Uh, we'll link it on Twitter as well. I don't think he's on Instagram, but I know he is definitely on Twitter and Facebook, so go to our page, Radio, and you'll find more information there. I want to also send a special thank you to Josh Robbins for this week's HIV scoop. Also, a special thank you to um, Kevin Maloney and Rise Pay HIV for the positive message provided this week and for more information on our show and upcoming guests uh, you can go to pauseironradio.com thank you all for tuning in and until next week for me and Aaron this is Robert have a great weekend thank you for joining us for Pause I Am you can listen to us each and every Sunday at 2pm Eastern Standard Time as we bring you your weekly dose of hope join in the conversation on social media Pause I Am Radio and at Aaron Laxton. 
And while you're on there, check out I'm Still Josh as he brings the HIV scoop of the week. Also, if you've not checked out the positive message campaign from Rise Up to HIV, be sure to do so. For all of you who contribute and make this show possible, thank you so very much. If you think you have a story that needs to be covered or you would like to come on air and talk to Robert and myself, please let us know. We want to bring content that you need and that you want. Be sure to download this episode on iTunes and past episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. From all of us over here at Paz IM Radio, from Robert Brining and myself, have a safe and healthy week. And until we speak again, stay positive.